Good morning, Rose Bauer. It's good to see you in God's house today. We're all going to stand. We're going to begin in worship singing Blessed Assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song. Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight. Visions of rapture now burst on my side. Angels Echoes of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I and my Savior am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above. Filled with His goodness, lost in His love. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Amen. Let's sing, He hideth my soul. Savior is Jesus my Lord, a wonderful Savior to me. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock, where rivers of pleasure I see. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock, that shadows a dry, thirsty land. He hideth my life in the depths of His love and covers me there with His hand. And covers me there with His hand. A wonderful Savior is Jesus my Lord. He takes 
taketh my burden away. He holdeth me up and I shall not be moved. He giveth me strength as my day. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock that shadows a dry, thirsty land. He hideth my life in the depths of His love and covers me there with His hand and covers me there in His hand. When clothed in His brightness transported I rise to meet him in clouds of the sky. His perfect salvation, his wonderful love, I'll shout with the millions on high. He hides my soul in the cleft of the rock that shadows a dry, thirsty land. He hideth my life in the depths of His love and covers me there with His hand and covers me there with His hand. You may be seated. Good morning and welcome to Rosebier Baptist Church. We're glad that you are here today. Lord, uh, we are going to look at our focus verse this morning and then we'll take up our normal Sunday morning offering. But our focus verse for the month of April is Matthew 5 and verse 8. It says this, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This time we'll ask our ushers to come forward. Will you bow with me in prayer? Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house this morning to sing praises to your most holy name. And God, as we have entered into this place this morning, I pray that you would prepare our hearts for you. Lord, I know we've had a busy week and many things going on, and in our lives, God, and I just pray now that you'd give us a spirit of peace, that we may focus upon you and your word, where we may sing praises to your most holy name, and you may get the glory that you truly deserve. Lord, we thank you this morning for the opportunity to give to you. As you have given to us so freely, we now give back to you. We pray that you use it, that you multiply it for the furtherance of your kingdom. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When you look around the world, there's a lot of countries, man, they're impoverished, you know, we're the wealthiest country in the world, we, you know, even our, our folks that are poor in this country um, are blessed a hundred times over, you know, a lot of countries that, that are around the globe, so, you know, we're about to sing 10,000 reasons, and, um, you know, there's, there's 10,000 plus a million reasons that we could praise God, because He blesses us in so many ways, but just the fact that we're born in this country... Um, that right there in itself is such a huge blessing to us. And if you travel abroad, you, you, you know that without a doubt. So let's all stand. Let's sing 10,000 Reasons. 
Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, and oh my soul, I worship Your holy name. The sun comes up. It's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh.
how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that He should give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure. How great the pain of searing loss, the Father turns His face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon the cross, my sin upon His shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice Call out among the scoffers It was my sin that held him there Until it was accomplished His dying breath has brought me is finished. I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, His death and resurrection. Why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart, His wounds have paid my ransom. All right, at this time, when the kids come forward, they're going to go to Children's Church. We're going to worship with the song of the month. What he's done. See, on the hill of Calvary, my Savior bled for me. My Jesus set me free. And look at the wounds that give me life. Grace blowing from For the freedom he has won, even death is dead and done. His life has overcome. Speak, say the name above all names. 
over every broken place. He is risen from the grave. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us this day to be in your house, Lord, to sing praises to your name for being so good to us, for blessing us in so many ways, Lord. I pray that we would recognize that every day, Lord, when you wake us up, that, Lord, you would remind us that you give us the air in our lungs. And, Lord, I pray that we would use the, the breath that you give us, the life that you give us to, to praise you, to serve you, to, to bring honor and glory to you, Lord. Thank you for this church, thank you for Brother Justin, Lord. I pray that you fill him with your words and your wisdom, Lord. We thank you for your grace and your mercy and your unending love for us. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. so thankful for our worship team leading us in worship this morning. It was so good to have uh, Seth Crane come and uh, play the guitar for us and sing for us, and also Miss Nada Seeley for filling in on the keyboard. We're thankful for all the work the worship team puts in on a weekly basis to lead us in worship, 
and we're so thankful for these two in particular this week that come and stepped up when a few others had to be away. And thank you, thank you for being here on this Sunday. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll begin reading verse 12 in just a moment. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. But as you're turning there, I want to begin by sharing with you that normally around August or September, uh, Kendra will begin asking me a question that maybe you've heard before. Uh, and because my birthday is in October, she'll kind of ask me, what do you want for your birthday? She's wanting to give me a gift. Um, and, and she used to try to surprise me with a gift that she thought that I would like and things of that nature. But then she decided that she wanted me to help her with that so that she would give me a gift, not only that I wanted, but a gift that I could use. And I can tell you one of the best gifts she's given me so far is this little dude right here. This is my billfold, and it's just like a pocket fold, and it fits my cards and, and, my wall, and, and my money and my receipts and all the things, and it fits even in my front pocket. I don't have to put it in my back pocket where it puts me uneven. It hurts my back and all those things. It's one of the best gifts that I use all the time. And then maybe not even so much for yourself, but we have four kids, and our youngest one is Phoenix, and for his birthday, you wouldn't believe the presents that he received on his birthday. I mean, there was tons of toys. Some of the toys he used a lot longer than the other toys. There's some he was really excited about, and he wanted to open it and rip it open, and he played for it about five minutes, and then he just never played with it again. It went to a toy box cemetery, and it is now in this large pile that we could never find even if we wanted to. But there's a few toys that he plays with every single day there's one is his just balance bike he loves this balance bike we've got two my mom and dad's got two and everywhere we go he takes his balance bike with it we go to the ballpark takes his balance bike we go to the basketball gym he takes his balance bike uh, everywhere we go he's just riding on this balance bike loves it to death and then another thing he's been riding uh, recently is his pyre uh, power Wheels toys, you know, a 12-volt battery that you plug in, and he'll just drive all over. He's got a John Deere tractor, and he'll just drive all over the yard, and he thinks he's big stuff. He loves that gift. It's a gift he constantly uses. And, and ultimately, at the end of the day, those are the best gifts, right? Not one that we just want, that we'd like to have, but one that we'll actually use. Well, what we're going to talk about today is that if you know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, then you have been gifted by God through the Holy Spirit with a gift that He has given you to serve. And the best gift that He could ever give you is one that you'll actually use and to put into practice. For if you know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, you have been given a gift. You've been, been given a spiritual gift given to you by God, your Heavenly Father, and this gift does not benefit you, but it benefits others. That's how it works. That God has put us all here in a place called a church to be a body, and that we all use our gifts to serve, and we serve one another, and we serve a lost and dying world, and God has designed the church in that way to function 
as a body with many different parts and many different members that come together in unity in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful design that only God could have come up with. And so that's what we're going to notice this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, as it is in our, our daily Bible reading as we're walking through the New Testament together. But as we jump into our message this morning, I want to back up just a little bit, give you a little introduction into the book of 1 Corinthians. We've been in it uh, for about 13 days now in our reading. But what we know about the book of 1 Corinthians is this. Paul is writing a letter to the church of Corinth. And this letter was specifically in response to some things he had heard about the church. Some concerns that he has for the church. And even some of the questions that have come from the church at Corinth. Corinth was the largest city in Greece. It was a port city that, that had all kinds of commercial trade that had all kinds of different types of people with different occupations from all over the place. And they were extremely pagan. Think of Las Vegas, think of L.A., New York City. Corinth was filled with all kinds of idolatry and immorality, particularly sexual immorality. But I want to highlight this, that Paul had gone into this city, the city of Corinth, he began to preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ, but no one was coming to faith. So much so that Paul became frustrated. Paul became scared. And Paul became tempted to keep his mouth shut and not share the gospel anymore. And that, that says a lot to us today, right? Because what we think and know about Paul is this, is his bold witness that he would go anywhere and share the gospel with anyone. We think of Paul being fearless as he was beaten, left for dead many times, bitten by snakes and all these things. So when we think of Paul, we don't think of him as fearful. We think of him as fearless. And then we think of him as one that would never stop sharing the gospel because he is the one that says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and that I will share it until the day I die. But in Acts chapter 18, we learn Paul was frustrated. Paul was scared. Paul was tempted to remain silent. But do you remember what happened in Acts chapter 18? God speaks. It comes. Paul receives the vision of God. And Paul has received this vision from God, and God speaks to Paul and tells him, Don't be afraid. Keep on speaking the gospel. Don't be silent, for I have many people in this city. He encourages him with these words. So what happens is Paul stays in the city of Corinth for a year and a half. 18 months is what we learned. He continued to boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And many people came to Christ and a church was born. But before long, what was going on in the culture around the church began to work its way into the church. There was division in the church. There was immorality in the church. People were suing one another in the church. And Paul writes them this letter to remind them what the church is and how the church is intended to care for one another, to protect one another from sin, to serve one another in Christ with love. That the church should be distinct from the culture around it. The church should be different than the culture around it. 
And so here in chapter 12, he's speaking directly to the believers, sharing with them gifts they have been given by the Holy Spirit and how they're to serve one another. And verse, in chapter 13 tells us, with love. So that's a little bit of a background about what we're jumping in. So if you'll stand to your feet and honor the reading of God's most holy word. Verse 12, it says this. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole, if the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as He pleased. And if they, if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now, indeed, there are many members yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the hand to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seems to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on those we bestow greater honor and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need, but God composed the body having given greater honor to the part which lacks it that there should be no schisms in the body, but the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. Let us pray. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for your word. And we pray now that you'll bless it to our hearts by the power of your spirit that you'll speak, teach, correct, encourage, convict have your will in your way this morning for it's in jesus name we pray amen amen you may be seated paul had some concerns about the the issues at hand what most about paul's letter to the church of corinth is all the way back in chapter one verse four he begins not with their sinful actions but he begins with an encouragement to the church. And I just love that. He doesn't come in and kick them when they're down and saying, how dare you? How could you? I can't believe you. He doesn't kick them when they're down in their sinful action. But what he does, instead of kicking them when they're down, he picks them up and he reminds them who they are in Christ Jesus in order to encourage them and remind them, saying... If this is who you are in Christ Jesus, 
then this is the way that you'll act. Then this is the way that you'll behave. This is the way that you'll speak and go about to be a part of the church. So he reminds them, in Christ, you've been given life and life eternal. In Christ, you have been given grace by God, your heavenly Father. In Christ, you've been enriched in everything. And what he says, in Christ, you lack no spiritual gift. He's speaking to the church of Corinth that is filled with all kinds of problems. With division, sexual immorality, um, lawsuits, and all kinds of things going on in the worship service. Confusing worship service where they're having people shouting back and forth at each other in the middle of worship. And he writes them, and the first thing he says, chapter 1, verse 4, you lack no spiritual gifts. He says, you are a gifted and talented group of believers. He says that to them in the beginning, even with their flaws and their meds up. He doesn't begin with how sinful they are, but he begins by reminding them who they are in Christ. And I want to share this with you because I pray this is an encouragement to you this morning, as, I sh- as I'm sure it would have been to the church at Corinth. Because here at Rosebier Baptist Church, if we're honest with ourselves, we would say we have our problems or our struggles. We would say that we don't have everything perfectly ironed out. We don't, we're not firing on all eight cylinders perfectly at all times. Sometimes we don't even do things well. But I do want to share with you, I am so proud and thankful for Rosebier Baptist Church. I'm so thankful for the servants that attend church here that serve God in a most powerful way. I love the servants here at Rosebier Baptist. You truly are the servants of God, and I'm so thankful that we have elders visiting uh, people in the hospital. We have deacon and deacon partners visiting widows, and we have lay leaders stepping up and serving in many different areas of the church, from the nursery to children's church to the youth ministry to Awana to media ministry to security to being a door greeter to helping with maintenance to uh, to do all sort helping with the Easter egg hunt, Easter like think of it this way: at Easter egg hunt, we had about forty five people of Rosebier Baptist Church there, and about four hundred and fifty of the community there. <laughs> forty five people served five hundred people to the best of their ability. They, they gave it all they had for that two-hour window that we were there. They were serving. They were handing out candy. They were doing the games. They were doing inflatables. Uh, they were helping with the Easter egg hunt. They were helping with the gift bags. And they were running to Food Giant to get more burgers. They were running to the dollar store to get more candy. They were running and going and doing whatever was needed because they loved to serve. They loved to serve. You realize it takes more than 75 people to serve at Rosebier Baptist Church on, on each and every week just for our normal services with nothing, with no, no events or nothing extra or nothing more than a Sunday morning and Wednesday night. It takes 75 volunteers just for it to take place. 40, over 40 alone for Sunday morning. We, we are here for two hours on Sunday morning. And we utilize more than 40 different servants to serve at some level, at some capacity for our Sunday morning services. And the Lord has given us some great and amazing volunteers. And I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for the way you serve. Thank you for your dedication, your willingness 
to be the church that God has, the willingness to be the church that God has called us to be. You see, by no means are we saying that we've got all of this figured out. We're not saying that we've, we've got everything ironed out perfectly. But what I'm saying is this. We've, we've said this a hundred times. When God the Father looks down upon a believer, that he doesn't see their sins and their failures and their mess-ups. But instead, he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Because they're robed in the righteousness of Jesus. Their sins have been forgiven. And now they stand before God as if they've never sinned. What is equally true, when God the Father looks down on Rosebier Baptist Church, He don't see their mess-ups. He don't see their shortcomings. He don't see in all the ways they failed. But when He looks upon Rosebier Baptist Church, He sees the righteousness of His Son, Jesus Christ. Because we are the body of Christ. With all of our warts, with all of our shortcomings, with all of our failures, we are the bride of Christ. And one day soon, Jesus is coming to call his children home. So Paul writes, and he encourages the church in all of their mess-ups, and all of their sins, and all of their failures. He writes and he encourages them. And I pray, as the church of Corinth must have been encouraged by this letter, I pray that you can be encouraged this morning. Now, Paul has a lot more to say about their problems. He doesn't end there saying, keep up the good work. He begins with encouragement, but then he addresses the issues. Um, here in chapter 12, he's speaking to the believers about the gift they've been given. And what is going on in chapter 12? They're, you see, these gifts that we have been given is not something that we've earned, something that we achieved, or something that we deserve. Something that we deserve as a believer. Instead, it's something that is given to us by God our Heavenly Father. You see, God gives us three gifts, at least three gifts to every believer. Number one, He gives us the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ. Right? First and foremost, He gives us the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ. He sent His Son to live the life that we could not live, to die the death that we deserve to die, and that raised Him the life that we may have uh, life and life everlasting. So he gives us the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. Number two, for the believer, God gives us the gift of his spirit. We learned about that in Sunday school this morning, that he gives us the spirit. The spirit is the helper, the counselor, the teacher, the one who guides, corrects, convicts, encourages, right? So he gives us the gift of his spirit that lives inside of us. And then number three, he gives us at least one spiritual gift to serve him with and to serve others with. It does, and if we do it correctly, it does both. It serves him as we're serving others. So that is three gifts every believer, at least three gifts every believer has. The gift of the Son, the gift of the Spirit, and a spiritual gift to serve him and to serve others. These gifts can be divided primarily into two gifts, the gifts of speaking, the gifts of service. And what's going on in the church here with the believers at Corinth, those who had speaking gifts were looking down on those who had serving gifts as if they were not needed, as they were not helpful or useless. <laughs> and, and they thought that they could do better without them. 
And then the believers who had serving gifts, they were sinfully desiring the so-called more prominent gifts, the gifts of speaking. And Paul writes and he tells them, you're both wrong. (laughs) On both accounts, you're both wrong. And he speaks to the ones that has the gift of speaking, telling them they're wrong. And he speaks to the one who has the gift of serving, telling them they are the wrong for sinfully desiring a different gift. And he begins to teach them what we see in the very last verse, verse 31, is there is a more excellent way. There's the way of unity and the way of love. And he begins to teach them that way. And so what we learn is the church is a body, that it functions by many different parts, many different members, and it's more than just a body that functions, but it's a family that loves. So there's three things we notice about the church in this passage. Number one, a church has a kingdom peace. A kingdom peace. Verses 12 and 13, he tells us about this faith family that is unified, and the unity must come from the belief, faith, and trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is where our peace comes from. Remember in the book of John that Jesus tells us, my peace I give to you, I give you the peace, not as the world gives you, but as the Father gives you. And so the peace that is found in the body of Christ is the peace that is rallied around the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we come from all different backgrounds, all different beliefs, all different makeup, uh, and we come together based on the unity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we believe, we put aside all of these other ideas, preferences, thoughts, so that we can come together together in peace and unity under the umbrella of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, unity does not mean uniformity. does not mean that we all look exactly alike. We'll all talk exactly alike. We'll all act and behave exactly. No, we're all different. That's what Paul is actually sharing with us in this passage of how we're all different. We come with different gifts and different ways to serve. So first we see kingdom peace, because think about this peace and this unity is for the purpose of evangelism. If you look out in our world, all you see is conflict, wars, arguing, fighting, fussing. That's in the world, right? (laughs) You don't believe me, look at Republicans and Democrats. Do they get along? Not very well, do they? Well, if they put those two in a room, what are they going to do? They're going to fight each other about every single little bitty issue. So when a lost and dying world sees fighting and fussing everywhere they look, but they look to the church, but somehow those people from the world they see in the world are together in this place called church, but they're not fighting and fussing, but they're coming together in love and unity, that compels people. What do they have? What's different about them? Why aren't they like everybody else that fights and fusses? There must be something different. It's a kingdom peace. But number two, a kingdom purpose. We see this in verses 14. He begins with, if the whole body was an eye, where would the hearing be? Or where would the smelling be? All the, if the whole body was an eye, that'd be an unusual thing. That'd be an unhelpful thing, right? 
I always go back to the movie Monsters University with Mike Wazowski. He has one single eye. It's about right here on his body. It's really big. It's really unusual. It looks really silly. If the whole body was an eye, it would be an unusual and unhelpful thing is what he's trying to point out. The body has different parts, and we need all of them. He's pointing out the diversity of the church. He's saying the church, get this, is not one color, one culture, or age, but just as the kingdom of God is made up of every tribe and every tongue and every nation, so will the church. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ made clear through the church. This is why the gospel is so compelling. It doesn't exclude anyone, but it invites everyone. And this is where the rubber meets the road for us as believers, where he's calling us into action, into active duty. (laughs) Active duty. Not just to come and to spectate and watch and to see other people serve and other people worship, but he calls us to participate participate in the purpose, the cause of Christ, because we are to obey the marching orders of our King and take the gospel to a lost and dying world by serving and loving those around us. How do we do this? With hospitality, with genuineness, and compassion. By being hospitable, by being genuine with our actions and our love, and being loving. Let's go a little further. How can we do this here? When guests join us for worship, we can reserve best parking for our guest. At this time, I'm going to ask parking lot Nazi Jimmy to come forward, and he's going to share with us why this is helpful. I'm just kidding, Jimmy. You can hold your seat. Y'all got worried. I heard you quiet. One of the ways that we can be hospitable to our guests, our parking here is not great. We got 26 parking spots right out front here. That's it. The rest of it is in the back, right? We got maybe 100 in the back. So that's not ideal parking space, right? Uh, is to having a majority of ours farther away from the building. But for those who can, are able and healthy and well enough, we could park further away so that our guests who come could have a better parking spot. What's the next one? When we enter the building, what's something else we could do? We could reserve the best seats for our guests. That is, we could fill up these front rows. <laughs> now I'm talking crazy, all right? Parking's one thing. But now, sitting up there where I'm going to get spit on? No, I don't think so, Justin. But that's another way to move seats, move up, allow room for our guests to sit in the best seating, which in Baptist churches is the back row. And then, get this, when guests come in, welcome them. (laughs) Now we're getting to the personal interaction and engaging part, right? Not only do we reserve the best parking, not only we reserve the best seats, and, and then we welcome them. And so, you see, we have this natural tendency because we love the people who are here. 
We, love, we have friends who are here. We have family who are here. We love the people who are here, and we can't wait. Some of us, we haven't seen each other since last Sunday, and we can't wait to get to them and get to talking to them and things like that, and that's wonderful. That's the way the church is supposed to be with family and friends that you truly love. But what would it look like if every Sunday you entered into Rosebier Baptist Church with an intentional mindset of, I am going to go and welcome our guests? Before I talk to my friends, but, or maybe I'm talking to my friends and I see someone coming up and say, hey, wait one second, I gotta go say hello. And then you go and you welcome them. Thank you for being here. Have you ever been here before? No. Well, the bathrooms are right through this door. Hey, we saved a seat here for you. Uh, do you have any family or friends here? How, you know, where do you live? Just seeing how they connect with Rosebier Baptist Church and how we can connect them here. You give this hospitality mindset. Number one, there's room for you here. Number two, we want you to be here. That, that is what it looks like to be hospitable to those who are coming. And over this last year, we've had many, many guests. Many, many guests. On average, we keep about 8 to 12% of those who attend Rosebier one time, we, they, they stay for longer. And that's just percentage-wise, that's just statistic-wise, and I think this is a really good Sunday to kind of speak this because we don't have a lot of guests on this day uh, and, and things of like that, so we're talking to a lot of Rosebier Baptist Church people today, but this is one way, in order for them to stay, they're going to connect to us roughly in one of three ways. They're going to live close by to someone else that goes here. They're going to have a family or a friend of someone else that goes here. Or they're going to have an occupation that is similar to someone else that goes here. Right now, we got a whole bunch of engineers. we got a whole bunch of medical personnel. we got a whole bunch of like teacher and education people. we got some retired people and some fishermen. we got different, different categories that we have that we can connect them with. And when they come in, we go to them and welcome them and thank them for coming to Rosebier Baptist Church. Those are some specific ways that we can, that's just what happens when they come here. That don't even go beyond going to our community, our neighbors, our family, our friends, our co-workers, and how we can be hospitable to them, how we can be genuine with them, and how we can be loving to them. Verses 21 through 26 gives us this hypothetical situation where one member says to the other member, there's no need for them. And there's times when you may look at another and say, they're holding us back, they're not helping us, they're more trouble than they're worth. But verse 22, Paul says, the weaker are necessary. The whole idea here is for the body. Every member is needed, even the so-called weaker member. Think about the weaker member of your body. Your thumb, or maybe even your little toe. Have you ever stubbed your little toe on your bed as you're going to bed at night because the lights are dark, and as you cut a corner just a little bit too short, you hit it and you feel like it broke off, right? And it causes you to bend over in pain, pain that you didn't realize you could have over that little bitty toe that you didn't even know was there three minutes ago, right? The little parts of the body are important. And stub your toe on your bedside on the way to bed and it will remind you how important and how much pain you feel when you forget about the little parts of your body. This is a good reminder for us today because Satan loves to work in churches. 
Satan loves to work in church in such a way, thinking that we can operate on our own, under our own strength, and maybe without some of our members. But what we learn in Scripture, this is not the intention of God the Father. This is not the design of the church that God had intended. In order to function as the body of Christ, we, all the members, must be unified to accomplish the same mission and the same purpose. What he's saying here is every member is needed for the body to function properly. From the liver, to the kidney, to the little toe, to the eye, to the ear, to the mouth. Every member is needed. Every member has a purpose. And then number three, kingdom practice. This is where we begin in verse 27 in just a moment. That is, not every member, not only do they have a purpose, not only do they have a place... But what we learn is that every disciple has been given a gift by the Spirit of God to us, for us to put into practice. <laughs> the gift that has been given to us is not to benefit ourselves, but it's to benefit others. Too many times when we come into church, we're thinking constantly about how can the church serve me, help me, do for me, love me. But what we're learning is that God has gifted us to serve others. God has gifted us to love others, to help others, to not constantly believe the me, me, me mentality that we see in this world. But when you are saved by God's amazing grace, the Spirit of God comes inside of you and you automatically begin to think differently. No longer is it about you. Why is it no longer about you? Because now you know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. And you're okay. No matter how bad it gets, you're okay. Why? Because if the Lord, if you get sick and die, we are now in the presence of Jesus. And that actually gets better. It actually gets better than this place that we're living in now. If you hear that Justin Mason dies, don't you dare feel sorry or bad. That was horrible. No, I'm in a better place. I'm in the perfect presence of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Don't pray for me to be healed if I'm on this terminal cancer. I want to be with Jesus. All right? Don't worry about me. I'm fine. But when the Spirit of God comes inside of us, now we begin to worry about others that don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life, where now if they are hurt and they are sick and they're about to die, that they are not going to a better place. They're going to judgment that is coming. So the gift that has been given to God is not for ourselves, but it's for others to serve the church with. And not only this, here's we never retire from being a Christian. All right? We may retire from our job. We may be able to spend a lot more time from, from not working and doing the things we enjoy, but we never retire from being a Christian. We're constantly called to active duty. When it, now, that active duty may look different as we uh, get older, and our gifts may even change as we get older and we serve in different ways, but we can always serve. There's... There's different ways that we can serve, and, 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 and you serve so well. We talked about the fantastic, that we have fantastic teachers here. We have some with amazing servant hearts. We have some with some wonderful administrative gifts, 
Some are very musically inclined and do an amazing job to lead us in worship. Some of you have a great smile and you're a wonderful door greeter. Some of you are able to keep us secure as we have our security team, even right now, that is watching campus so that we can sit here and be safely and worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All of us are wired in some way to serve. That's what it says in verse 27. You are the body of Christ. That you is, in the Greek, plural. What it means is y'all. Y'all, that's what West Kentucky would say. Y'all are the church who are called to do the work of the ministry. You see, when God wants to do something in the church, He doesn't look to the church employee to accomplish the task. He looks to the members. See, it's the pastor's job, what we learn in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, to equip and to train and to teach the members of the church to do what? The work of the ministry. That's what Paul says. I want to ask you something this morning. How has God called you to serve? You see, we're very glad that you're here at Rosebier Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy it at Rosebier Baptist Church. But we want to invite you to do more than just attend, but to serve, to participate, to put your gift into practice that the Holy Spirit has given you. And this morning, what we've done is on our bulletin board, we've listed ways that you can serve. We primarily categorize our service teams in three primary ways. Heart, home, and hands. Um, that's our vision statement, right? Establish hearts, equip homes, extend hands. And there's different ways that we can serve from being on the security team, uh, to being a door greeter, uh, to being a Sunday school teacher, to working with children, nursery, Awana. Uh, we've got... Um, other aspects of the church one way you can do that i'm looking i'm really excited about this is one of you if you could do a devotion for me and what i'm talking about devotion is in our daily bible here's my plan in our daily bible reading some of you have slacked off some of you have not reading um the newness has gone on and we're now 75 days in something like that um, and, and we're lost the newness, and we've given up the fight. So I want to encourage you to continue reading. Good things, good things come from reading God's Word, I promise you. All right? Continue to read. One of the ways I want to encourage you to read is what I would like to do is this. Get one person for every week to do a three- to five-minute devotion about the reading that we're going to do. And so that would help you engage with the text. And what I'd like to do is have it on a video that we could put uh, on Facebook and send to our members throughout the week to be encouraged by the text that we are reading that week. So we got about, um, I would like to do this starting in June and have about, um, you know, that would be 26, 13 weeks, something like that. Less. So 20 to 30 of you I'd like to have to be able to do that. All it takes is look at uh, one chapter, pick out one verse and say why it's encouraging to you takes about three minutes to do. If that's something you can do, and what I would do is I'm going to video it on Wednesday night. I'll meet you. I'll set up an appointment, meet with you on Wednesday night. I'll film this, and I'll do all the work. I just need you to pick out one verse, talk about why is it encouraging to you, and be an encouragement to another. If you can do that, you'll see that. You can sign up there. There's other ways. Security. There's other ways. Being a door greeter. 
There's other ways, serving in Awana, VBS, things like that that we have coming up. How has God called you to serve? Guess what? We got church cleanup day coming up in May. It's going to be on a Wednesday night this year. It's May the 14th from 5 to 8 p.m. I got different uh, categories of what we're going to be doing on that night. If you can serve on that day in that way, put your name down. We need pressure washers. We need painters. We need cleaners. We need uh, to move dirt and shovel dirt and things of that nature. There's things that whether you are um, a hands-on person, there's all kinds of ways you can serve. But how are you called by God to serve? If nothing more, will you do this with me this morning? Will you join me in a prayer that God will move in our hearts to find unity in our members and help us to serve with the gifts that have been given to us at Rosebier Baptist Church and beyond for the glory of God and the cause of Christ? Let us pray. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for this time together in your house and we thank you for this, your people. Most of all, we thank you for your word, your goodness, and your grace. You are so good and kind to us, Lord. And Lord, we just thank you for your love and your mercy that is constantly poured out upon us time and time again. That's why we see that your mercies are new every single morning and they never run out. Lord, thank you for that. We pray now, this morning, for this, your people, that you'd move, that you'd work, Lord, I pray that you bring unity with brothers and sisters in Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us to serve and put into practice the gifts you have given us that you may get the glory that you truly deserve. For it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen, amen. Will you stand to your feet this morning? The Savior is waiting to enter your heart. Why don't you let him come in? There's nothing in this world to keep you apart. What is your answer to him? Time after time he has waited before.
You may be seated. Brother Justin uh, mentioned in his message that Rose Bauer doesn't do everything right. Sometimes it does things wrong. But I'll tell you one area where Rose Bauer Baptist always does things right, and that's when it comes to love offerings. Uh, this, this church has always had a very giving uh, heart in its membership. Uh, three Sundays ago, we celebrated 10 years uh, that the Brother Justin and Miss Kendra has been with us, and we had asked the church to provide uh, monetary donations for a love gift for them to go on vacation this summer, and we reached the amount of $5,000. And we, the elders wanted the uh, congregation to know that we reached that amount, $5,000, and we are so thankful. Thank each one of you uh, who contributed to that offering. And that's not to say that you can't do more if you feel led to. Our, our Sunday school lesson today was on the Holy Spirit, so if the Holy Spirit uh, leads you later on to contribute more, I'm sure it would be much appreciated. And you can always uh, see A.J. Parrish or any of the elders if you uh, decide to contribute more. But again, thank you so much, Rose Bauer, for helping us reach that goal. Uh, we are very thankful that you're here today. We appreciate your attendance. And if you would, let's all stand now and we'll be dismissed. Uh, Dale Lynn, would you lead us in our dismissal prayer, please?